the best, 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 best of Cresta in the Afternoon countdown. Number 25. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. My guest is Zach Kriegman. He's a writer, an economist, a machine learning scientist. He's a lawyer. And he spent six years working in data science at Thomson Reuters, one of the world's largest news organizations. His job, well, to study uh, numbers, uh, study stats and figures, and find out what they really mean. When he turned his attention to focus on race and police brutality, he came across a shocking realization. The data was being used incorrectly in our national conversation with some very disastrous effects. But when he tried to share his findings, he was chastised by management and eventually fired. Zach, good to have you with me. Thanks. Thanks for having me on, Al. Well, tell me, uh, give me just a little bit of the story, and then we'll get to the the numbers themselves, uh, if you would. Sure, yeah. So, like you said, I'd been working at Thomson Reuters for six years. Um, And over that time, I had seen um, the growth of this sort of new racial ideology within Mm -hmm. the organization, and particularly uh, acceptance of the Black Lives Matter core tenants throughout every level, from the management all the way down. Um, And that concerned me because I'd been following the the academic research about this, Mm -hmm. uh, and I discovered that... um, the, that the core claim of Black Lives Matter, that police are biased towards shooting blacks, was false. But not only that, but that that false claim had driven huge reductions in policing as anti-police sentiment sort of went up around the country, and that had led to soaring violent crime and um, including thousands of murders. So wow. the so the uh, you know the lies or the falsehoods that were being spread by Black Lives Matter were resulting in literally thousands of black people being murdered. <laughs> wow. So <clears throat> um, you pointed this out uh, within the company, is that it? Yeah, so, I mean, I knew that as a white employee saying anything negative about Black Lives Matter would right. be um, putting my career at jeopardy. Sure. Um, but I also felt like Thomson Reuters had like a public trust right. to report truthfully, and we were failing. So I wrote up a summary of just the academic evidence, and I posted it to the internal forum uh, that we use for collaboration and sometimes for talking about social issues and so forth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just as I feared, that immediately made me the uh, target of, like, a barrage of intensely hateful um, personal attacks and ultimately highly racialized attacks. Was was there no concern Um, for the data? I mean... Was this? Yeah. Well, that's the uh, that's the amazing thing. There wasn't a single substantive uh, critique or challenge to any of the data that I presented about Black Lives Matter's claims. Um, it was purely this ad hominem stuff, um, purely just attacking me as an individual, um, yeah. and. You know, the company's response to that was basically just to shut down the entire conversation, censor everything I had written, um, and tell me that if I complained about any of this kind of racialized bullying I had experienced, that uh, I could be fired. Wow. Wow. And then you did end up getting fired. So, uh, at, Yeah. Did, so, I was wondering, did management 
at any time make an effort to look over your studies, uh, the studies you were using, the studies you were appealing to, and and at no time did they uh, decide to try to deal with the studies. Is that? Is, I mean, I just find it amazing that they they wouldn't take some time to look at what you had actually discovered. Yeah, because I was criticizing the reporting of our own company. I mean, we, exactly. Yeah. I mean, we we did a. Lo- a lot of false reporting. So as a news company, you'd think, okay, let's at least, you know, maybe we disagree with someone's findings or summary of the academic literature, but let's at least have a conversation about it or push back on it or criticize them or something. There was nothing like that. It was just, uh, for one, completely ignoring me by, uh, on the part of the company itself and the news reporting. And two, uh, then there were these, you know, BLM supporter employees within the company who just, you know, basically just savaged me. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And then when I complained about it, like they, they warned me that if I sort of complained about this sort of racialized bullying that was directed at me, they would fire me. And then, and you know, and that's exactly what happened. Then I sent an um, email to senior leadership because it was HR that was sort of giving me these warnings. I figured, well, maybe senior leadership isn't quite aware of what's going on. So I sent an email to senior leadership and my colleagues, and then they immediately fired me. Wow. All right. Let's uh, let's take a look at the studies uh, themselves. Is this a difficult um, – I mean, the claim is uh, that the, the falsehood, as you write, at the heart of the Black Lives Matter movement is that there are uh, police uh, more readily shoot uh, black people. And as you also argue, that ends up leading to less policing, and that leads to more murders. Let's go to the first prong of that. Um, where is it hard to get data on you know the relationship between uh, police shooting black uh, uh, people versus police shooting white people? Uh, okay, yes. Yeah, so. There's actually a pretty comprehensive database um, from the Washington Post okay. where they've gone through and they've scrubbed the news and, every, and a bunch of other sources for every single police shooting that they can find, and they've compiled it into a... So we have a good database of police shootings, and they, and they include white versus black and other races and other factors, so you can sort of filter that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you find from that database is that police shoot about... Forty percent more whites each year than blacks. Um, now, the Black Lives Matter argument is that well, there's six times, almost six times as many whites, or about six times as many whites in the country as blacks. So, if police were not biased, they'd be shooting about six times as many whites, not forty percent more, um, but six hundred percent more, right? right? Um, so they say. So they say that blacks are shot disproportionately. Um, now, that's completely false, because police aren't supposed to just sort of randomly shoot into the population to make sure that they get a, you know, a proportionate share of each racial group. That's police right. are only supposed to use lethal force in response to a situation where their lives or the lives of someone else are in danger, and they have no other option. That's right. Um, so what you've got, yeah. Not 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 every person, at- n- not every person in the population 
white or black, is uh, <clears throat> an equal target, so to speak. I mean, some some people are in positions where they are more likely to be shot than others. Right, exactly. If you're committing crimes, yep. uh, especially if you're assaulting police officers or resisting arrest, then your chances of commi- of being shot are drastically higher. Like, you don't, you know, yeah. And you don't want to, you also want to distinguish between different kinds of crimes. Like, if someone's uh, holding a gun and shooting at police officers, their chances of being shot by police are drastically higher than, you know, a kid grabbing a candy bar off a store shelf and mm-hmm. running down the street, right? Sure. So, it, both are crimes, but when you, you've got to compare similar circumstances. Um, and when you do that, uh, you find that it's actually whites, if, if, if anything, it's whites who are shot slightly disproportionately. So the only study that carefully compared the circumstances was done by one of the top researchers in the field, Roland Fryer, out of Harvard University. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's black, and he was actually initially supportive of the Black Lives Matter movement, and was and he uh, started this huge study to try to prove the claims of the Black Lives Matter movement. And to his shock, what he found was when you control for those circumstances, it's actually whites who are shot, if anything, it's whites who are shot um, slightly disproportionately to blacks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you point out that he's actually uh, described this as the most surprising result of his career. So, I mean, that's... Yeah. that's uh, so, so the let me ask then. Given that there is good data out there, given that there is some expert analysis of the data, is anybody championing this uh, type of study, uh, or is it left to people like yourself, you know, who end up uh, getting fired? Uh, is anybody getting behind this data? Is there a movement to help publicize it? Um, there's definitely a movement, I would say, on the, you know, on the conservative side and or even just on the sort of heterodox side of people. You know, there's a growing sort of movement of people saying, whoa, the, you know, a, a, a growing number of sort of blue kind of folk, liberal folks who are saying, whoa, we've been seriously misled about a lot of these kinds of cultural issues. Mm-hmm. And it's time to sort of wake up to that a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, but it still hasn't hit the mainstream, I would say, of, you know, of of liberal thought and certainly and certainly not the mainstream of these large, you know, news organizations uh, who've been reporting falsehoods for, for years now. They've been reporting about, wa- uh, like, for instance, Reuters reported about a wave of, um, killings of African Americans by police using unjustified lethal force. Well, the statistics show very clearly that that <laughs> that never happened. Um, so I think it's it's sort of a challenge for them now to sort of walk back because they've been reporting these falsehoods right. for years, and and they're so and they're so blatantly false. Yeah, yeah. Um, are are there neighborhoods that are over policed? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can't tell you across the board that there are no neighborhoods that are over-policed, but I can tell you two things. One is my personal experience, and two is uh, what uh, the best studies on this show. Mm-hmm. So my personal experience, whenever someone brings up over-policing, is I always think of 
town where I live in Boston, um, and I live in a, a, a mostly white neighborhood of Boston called Jamaica Plain, where there's hardly any murders each year. But you go just like one or two neighborhoods over to Roxbury, Mattapan, Dorchester, right. yep, and there are dozens of murders each year in these mostly black neighborhoods. Um, so when people say that these neighborhoods are over-policed because they're black, I have to wonder what in the world they're talking about. I mean, if, if there's not drastically more violent crime there, why does almost every murder in the city happen in those, in those, in those, those neighborhoods? Those neighborhoods, yeah. Are, yeah, are struggling with violent crime. Yeah, yeah. Zach, thanks so much. Uh, I hope we can talk with you again in the future as we begin to pick more of this apart. But uh, I wish you the best. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Al. I appreciate you having me on. Zach Kriegman. Uh, we'll have this data for you. He's posted it. It's easy to read, too. 